the end of the day, design is about problem solving. It's about solving the problems as specifically and as effectively as possible. And if these tools or frameworks enable that to make that much of a difference, then okay, maybe look into it. But if it's just like sexy marketing, like you really need to evaluate how this is going to contribute to your your actual growth. Welcome to Keming Profiles, a podcast about design careers in tech. Join us as we interview design practitioners about how they got into design, how they advanced in their careers, and what they learned along the way. Whether you're a designer just starting off in your career or a design leader eager to understand the talent that you want to attract and retain, we hope these stories you hear are inspiring, the advice insightful, and all of it practical enough to apply to your own job search or career advancement. Hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, everybody, welcome to the Keming Profiles podcast. We're here with John Wood today. Hey, John, thanks for taking the time. No problem. Glad to be here. Awesome. Uh, really excited to learn more about your story, how you came into design. Uh, I'd love mm-hmm. to get a 30 second takedown of, of who you are and what you do today. Sure. Uh, so I'm a product designer. I work at LifeRay. I've been there for a year and a half now. And it's been fast. Obviously, with quarantine, things are just in a weird funk. But um, really enjoying just how I get to work with um, enterprise cl- customers and being able to work on our internal products, and also just with helping other enterprises get to the solutions that they need. Before this, I was working at a startup, um, multiple startups, and all like early stage ventures. The last one I was working at was in the real estate tech space. And so, yeah, I feel like I've definitely like jumped into a different world going from startup to to enterprise, but um, really enjoying just the different perspectives. I've learned so much from it. Before you were in design, you taught European history, you know, for five years. Mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about what that experience was like and what kind of led you to make the shift away from that into design. Right. So my undergrad studies was in sociology. Shout out Alan, right? That was our connection. Um, I got a minor in education and I felt like, you know, I really enjoyed, well, I still do, as, as sure. I've been already saying, like, I just love learning. There's something out there to always learn. And I feel like I'm growing, right? And I want to help other people um, experience that. And I felt like education was very meaningful and I wanted to try it out. And I felt like um, I like to communicate in order to allow people to have a better understanding of whatever they need to, to, to learn. So I just straight out of college, went into the classroom and it was a very rewarding job. And I think that there's such a unique role in education, such a huge need, right? As, as we know today in our society. Um, but I think that it was just more the day-to-day responsibilities of um, teaching the same content and also a lot of grading, you know, just like things about teaching that are a problem. And I wish, you know, like, and I think ed tech was on the rise and that's still like my hope is to contribute to ed tech because I feel like it's, it's a great problem to solve. But my transition was just thinking about like, man, I love technology and I want to build something. But when I'm a teacher, I'm kind of like working for myself and I'm working for my students, but I'm on my own. I don't have a team in the same way I can collaborate and 
some of my friends like Alan were, were able to, to work on projects and, and build software and build solutions that improve people's lives. And I'm like, I want to do that. And I need to figure out how I can do that because my skills are not coding. Uh, I'm not a very artsy person. And so my business experience is lacking. And so like, what can I do? So did a ton of research and to my, you know, uh, knowledge and what people would, would speak about me is that like, I'm a pretty organized person and I like to plan things. And so I was like, okay, maybe I'll go into like project management. Uh, maybe I'll be a business analyst. Maybe I'll do something where it's like a business role. I don't really know. And then I came across product management and at that time, this was like, you know, five, six years ago, not many people like knew of the differences between product and project. And still there is a lot of confusion there. Right. But, um, I did feel like product management was a great opportunity and, um, you know, it, it required of that individual to sit between engineering business and design and come up with a strategy and to execute on what that direction should be. Uh, and leading a product. And I felt like, you know, in, in many ways you had to come up with a plan and lead. And that's what I did as a teacher in the classroom. And I felt like I could do that with other people. Um, and you, you know, the requirement of product is not necessarily, you have to be knowledgeable in all of disciplines, right? It's being able to, uh, get the team together to collaborate and move towards that vision. I'd love to know a little bit about your experience, like pursuing that transition. Um, and then kind of what came next in terms of like, hey, like you're a teacher, mm -hmm. you figured what was next for you given kind of the the range of strengths and weaknesses and interests uh, that, that you have, uh, that product management was the next step. You know, so what came next once you made that decision? Uh, so it's, it's a tough decision. I think for everyone that's considering a career change, it's like, man, this is all I know. Can I make it? Is it going to work out? And you're not going to have a guarantee of saying like, absolutely, like, uh, you'll have a support group, right? You'll have people in your corner, but there's no handouts, right? There's no guarantee about it, but you have to, in some ways, kind of like be scrappy. I think be be hopeful about it. But um, once I made the decision, I was just like, okay, well, there's no turning back because I literally resigned myself. I wasn't laid off or anything like that. It's my own decision. And so I'm unemployed and now... Um, I'm going to start applying like crazy. Right. And I do. And basically where I was, um, given an internship, I, I took it because as much as I wanted like a full-time role doing, um, some type of like product management, I, I just didn't have any opportunities at all. Um, and what I did end up doing was I took, um, a part-time course at general assembly for product management. And it had a good overview and I felt like, like you can't really get a degree in product management. It's not, that's not quite how, how that works, right? You need the experience and you, know, you need to ship something really is what I was getting. And I remember I, I would basically reach out to my network of friends who were in the tech uh, industry and asking them like, yeah, can you connect me with anyone? And like, I like hate networking, but I just needed just conversations. I needed to get my feet wet. I just needed to get going. And I had to push myself just a bit. And I know that like, I could have pushed myself more, but I was just trying to see with just what was out there at first. And the internship was where my, my first opportunity came. And it was a unique opportunity in the sense where that position was 
an internship to work at a startup. And the the founder actually said, hey, you know what? I, I want you to actually look into being a UX designer. And I was like, wait, actually, you know, I'm here for, for a product position. And ironically, I'll say this, um, he's the one who trained me, right? He was my instructor in the product management course. So he, he's the one who trained me to be a product manager. And he's like, hey, I want you to try to do UX design. And my take on it was like, you know what? Like from my research about getting into the tech industry or getting into product, right? Like people come from business, people come from design and they come from engineering. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, you can get into product in any way. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be picky about it. I'm going to try it out and see what's out there and see what I can learn. Totally. Where are the common threads for you, right? Uh, how does your mm -hmm. teaching experience uh, influence your work as a designer today? Uh, what are the principles that you carry with you uh, and maybe even tactics? So like, as we all know, as designers, ultimately we have to be user-centered, right? People-centered, human-centered. And being a teacher, you're, you're around humans. You're around a lot of individually unique we can call them users, that they were my students. And I was doing the day-to-day -day teaching of, of planning my lesson, right? Executing it and then reflecting and then iterating, right? And so what I was actually doing was I was designing an experience and a service just in a classroom setting around certain content and curriculum. And so um, looking back, I can see that like, oh, you know what? Like, I think in every work setting where you're working with people, if you're thinking about like, who is this person? What are their needs, right? Or who is this group and what are their needs, right? Like you are designing maybe on the fly, maybe you're, you're, you are doing some planning, uh, maybe you are writing some documentation, maybe you're doing some reflection and like iterating on your solutions. Like, like you are designing. Um, and I don't think that design equals software and producing mockups, right? Design is truly providing a solution for whatever problem for a person. So um, I didn't have that foresight when I was going and saying like, hey, I'm a teacher and I can do this. You know, I think the way I, I approached it was like, um, there is a goal that we had, at, like when I was when I was a teacher, like I, I need my students to learn this information, right? And so I saw it from maybe just like a user flow in general, like I had to know like what, what their needs are and then I had to plan it out and then I had to execute it. But I didn't have this full holistic understanding of how I was actually doing user-centered design without knowing it, right? But I can say that now looking back because I have so much more experience as a designer, but at least at the, at the beginning, I was like, you know what? Like if you're, if you're, you know, doing your job, I think in no matter what industry, like I think you're thinking about like, okay, what do I need to do today? How am I going to get there? Who do I need to involve? Who do I need to communicate to? How can I help them? Um, these are things that designers are thinking about. They're seeing through a medium of, right, like a platform or some type of app or something like that. Curious mm -hmm. about some of that stuff that you've learned along the way, right? Um, what are the things that you wish you knew uh, about uh, design or design careers earlier on um, that you kind of understand in, in hindsight now? I mean, I think it was more of a timing thing where I kind of just like changed careers and started applying. And uh, I think within maybe like a month, I was able to get that internship. But, you know, not everyone has that, uh, what we call it luck or that fortune and that blessing. Like, 
it, it was provided to me. And so sometimes people have to like have this waiting period as far as like, when am I going to get my first role, right? Whether it's internship or full-time. And um, hopefully like it, it's pretty clear now that like you really need to um, understand that your skills are being grown as you actually work on a project. And there's only so much preparation that you can do in terms of being qualified um, to work on a project and, and know enough to, to feel confident where you actually need to learn from your mistakes, right? And you should try to get um, like a real, or you should get feedback from current designers uh, because uh, I think that like it's fine that anyone who wants to join like a network of designers or amongst other beginners, there's so many of them and I think that's good for support. But I think having a mentor, I think we always hear about that too, is super key just because um, it's, it's a different type of feedback when um, it's very specific as far as like the type of feedback you're, you're requesting. And also there's a consistency, ideally in a mentorship role, uh, where they can see that growth, right, over time versus like, you know, like when you kind of join a network, you're like kind of committed, but then you only shallowly know certain people and their abilities and like it's a lot of meet and greet. And that's fine. I think that serves its purpose in itself. But there's something about going deeper and it maybe you don't even need to call it a mentorship. But, um, you know, at the, at the bottom line, if we just kind of like level it out and we just say, you know, what, like I'm a hungry designer and I know that my design is not perfect. So I want to learn. And if anyone can help me improve, like let me just throw it out there. And um, yeah, like th there are like there's a huge design Twitter community. I don't know how effective people have, have found that for them. Um, but I think you just have to even reach out to your own friends. And, and you know, I, I've had friends that like really were there for me um, when, you know, like it was no longer just about like, hey, make me feel good because you're my friend and like give me compliments, but really just like, how can I improve? Right. And Alan, you, you've, I still remember the first feedback you ever gave me the first website I ever made. Do you remember? No, I have no idea. Oh, uh, it was, it was, it was just a, like a landing page. And then um, you're like, Hey, I think you need more visual hierarchy between your two sections because you use a light gray and, and the light blue. And it's just, it's just not enough contrast between the two. You know, I still remember it. It was one of the first things I ever built. Ever designed. Yeah, that's awesome that you remember. Yeah. I think, you know, mentorship is such a big thing of, I think it's one thing to find that sort of mentorship, like on your own time or like via Twitter or friends. Um, but I'm curious about how you approach mentorship during the interview process or like what, what do you, how do you approach finding mentorship within like a company that you want to work for or when you're interviewing a candidate and they ask about mentorship. Be direct. Absolutely. Like that is so important, right? To professional growth where, whether you have that in your company or not, um, you're working there 40 hours a week minimum, I would say. And so like, that is where most of the time your coworkers and ideally your mentor should have the most visibility on what you're working on, your progress, your own like like growth in terms of like your own goals right like community being having a place where you can communicate your goals of how you want to be growing either this quarter or this year and for them to actually right 
I would say conveniently be around your work and even just like setting up one-on-ones. Like, um, yeah, that, that's one of the things I actually asked my current company, which is like, what does mentorship look like? And is there opportunity to do so? And my manager said, absolutely. You know, like, um, you know, I'm here and like we have other people on the team that it's very like uh, collaborative, right? Like it's peer to peer type of growth and, and they lived up to that. They absolutely did. And I appreciate that. And it really just starts with a few things. Like one, we have like design critiques um, on a weekly basis. And we have a certain like format of how we go about doing that. And we, we've, we've tried different things uh, for different uh, things that we request uh, feedback on. Um, I have one-on-ones with my manager every Monday morning. And um, it's not always like this formal, like, all right, let's talk about work, right? But it's it's... It's a relationship. And he always asks me, like, how can I help you this week? Right. And he actually does. Like, it's not just like, hey, uh, are you struggling? All right. I need to find help so someone can help you to bail you out. Right. But like, <laughs> um, whatever I tell him I need help with, he's there. And so uh, companies, if you're listening, like, man, it it makes employee satisfaction so, so much more because um, it's, it's you can't put a price on that. Right. Some of the stuff that you mentioned about kind of that that mentorship and, and guidance aspect on the mm-hmm. job, I'd love to dig into that a little bit more too, right? Like what, what should, you know, earlier career designers be thinking about in terms of even coming to meetings, like their weekly one-on-ones with their managers? There's some aspect of it you, you touched upon, which is kind of like regular functional unblocking. Uh, but how how can you go into those meetings with with the with the with the manager let's say um with an agenda that's actually going to like lead you to up level in your job over you know six months over 12 months man i think because we're in an industry where it's almost like there is no ceiling or like the potential is so like high and that's and like it, it's just so vast that you can pursue and like our dreams just kind of like go, go crazy. Right. And so I'm, I'm a day dreamer myself. And I'm always thinking about like where I want to be five years from now, when in reality, like what is really going to get me there is not being passionate about that, but really saying, Hey, this week, um, I'm just going to be incrementally better at whether it's visual design, whether it's, you know, research, whether it's user testing, whether it's like understanding the problem, whether it's communicating my design solution, big goals need to be broken down into smaller ones in order for them to actually be attainable. Like you're also just gonna be disappointed, right? You're just like, why am I, I think we've seen a lot of articles about this recently, uh, or in the last couple of years, just about how like, there's always this dissatisfaction between what we aspire to be to where we are, right? And no matter what, I think there's going to be a gap, but how do you close that gap, right? And I think you can only close that gap in increments because that's just realistically what you're able to achieve on a weekly basis. And you're thinking about it more often than once a quarter, I would assume, you know, especially when you're, you're younger, like you're just like, I'm so hungry, I'm so hungry. Like, why am I not improving as I want to? I think it's just that we um, are looking farther ahead than what we need to focus on right now. And... Um, yeah, I think that what that looks like is with that mentor, tell them specifically like, okay, I want to improve in this way. So maybe just this week or this next two weeks, I should like, what can I work on 
to improve my understanding of design systems, right? And maybe they'll help break it down for you too. Um, or maybe they'll tell you like, why don't you just start building a really, really, really basic one or, um, you know, being able to just chip at it because, um, yeah, a little bit over a period of time is actually going to bring you a lot farther from my experience. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's, that's, that's really helpful advice. I, I really, I really love the focus on the shorter kind of time frame and windows and like actually like executing against those goals to like meet those more manageable gaps essentially to make mm -hmm. that the, those like bigger swings long-term. If I could uh, add something real quick, um, something that I thought about maybe in reflecting upon my career a couple years ago is that being a designer, you're, you're solving problems all the time and you're trying to make sure your users are successful in whatever you're working on. Um, and I think that like it should be something that we should recognize that it's a very natural application for our own career goals, right? Like our, our own career goals are, are design problems in themselves, right? And like what we aspire to be and how we should approach it. Like why, why shouldn't we see it as a design problem, right? Uh, we, we are our own, we are users in that way. Like we have goals, we have pains, you know, like there are solutions yeah. to it. And so we, we need to iterate um, on like how we um, improve in our skills. We need to also iterate in how we maybe apply for jobs or how we network. Like uh, I think that the design process works, you know, extremely well with even how we pursue career goals. Talk to us a little bit about how you ended up at Life, right? Right. Going from yeah, that sole designer to a company that has a whole design team and resourcing like what that, uh, how you got there and what that adjustment was like. A lot of people never get to experience what it's like to be the only designer and they kind of are just one cog in like the whole system. And, uh, you know, I think there's pros and cons to, to every experience. Not everyone wants to be, a generalist and doing a little bit of everything. Like some people are just like, Hey, I really want to specialize. Right. And so I think that, that's great. Um, for me, I think working alone for two and a half years and trying to get the type of feedback that um, I was looking for specifically about how to improve on my designs and decisions. Um, I had a ton of feedback from my, my startup you know, coworkers, my, my co-founder or my founders, um, my, my colleagues who are engineers, uh, but it's just not the same because they don't go through the same thought process as you do, right? They don't understand the constraints that you were working with. They don't understand like the patterns that exist out there that um, you've already looked through and you've tried them and it just it doesn't make sense. Or um, you've actually like done user testing and you want to like now consider like what are some other patterns you can you can pursue right so um i think it was just the lack of um feedback and even collaboration that i at that level was ready for you know i think that um after learning so much i i feel like man i can i knew that my ceiling was i'm not around other designers that are more experienced than me or even better in areas like visual design that can push me even because um, they've been there before, right? And so that's where I was like, okay, then my next role for sure, I need to find um, someone that is either 
way more senior and can directly mentor me, or I can find a team where we're about all like mid levels and we can help each other grow. Right. Um, and it had to be at least two other designers at that company and then myself. So I feel like, you know, there's some balance. It's not just like two peers that are just trying to push one another. So, um, applying through life, right. I actually have a friend that works there right now and she referred me. I'm very thankful. And, um, that's where I was able to meet the design team, uh, through my interview process. And it was, it was really cool because uh, I was able to, to talk to each of them and like, um, get to know them. Um, and, and ask the questions I really wanted to ask about like, yeah, like how does mentorship look like? Um, how often do you guys meet together to like give each other like feedback? Do you actually collaborate or is it just that like everyone has their own projects, like stuff like that matters to me. And I hope it matters to, to most designers of like, what does my day-to-day really look like? Um, yeah. And so that is how, um, I found that, Hey, you know what? There's a team of, I think it was six or seven other designers waiting for this role to be filled. And there were, um, two managers and a director in our LA office. And I'll be working under, um, my current manager and, um, yeah, did some LinkedIn stalking. Um, and you know, like he, he actually is not that, um, I guess like active on on social media, but like he is like a killer designer. And so, um, I was very surprised when I, when I actually started working next to him and I was just like blown away and I was like, wow, this is just awesome. This is what I was looking for. I was looking for either a mentor or a team and I got both. And I, I thought it was just a huge, yeah. A huge blessing. So being at Liferay now for for a few years and now kind of as you transition into part of your career now where you're maybe, you know, on the other side of the interview process, on the other side of the hiring process, how do you approach mm-hmm. um, hiring candidates, especially candidates from non-traditional design backgrounds? It's a great question. I actually um, conducted an interview today. <laughs> and so uh, it's very fresh for me. Um, yeah, knowing that I come from a non-traditional design background, I know that anyone anyone can do it if they have gone through just that, that process of really learning the craft and trying to um, yeah, put themselves out there and not allow their, their past to kind of like be a crutch. I think that everyone should understand that if you're in the design world, like, um, unless you're like, maybe like strictly a brand designer, like, and you're work, you're applying for an agency. Like, I feel like, uh, the design world is very, very open-minded as far as your background and, uh, if anything, there's so much that you can add because that is a rich experience that um, you can uh, take some of your experience and, and apply it, whether you're in marketing, uh, whether you're, you know, working in support, whether you're working in healthcare, you know, like you're on people and you, you're, you're open-minded about seeing the problems around you. Right. And so, um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely always open-minded. My team is, is like that too, just because, yeah, like schooling is great to, to get that training, but um, so much of what we learn is really on the job. Um, it really solidifies your abilities when you actually are faced with that real problem. And now it's, it's go time and trying to see of how you're going to solve this problem. I, I, I guess I'm really, and you know, the three of us are very curious around like design hiring, right? And you said that schooling is only yeah. one part of it, right? But especially with candidates, right. a lot of it is projecting okay. mm-hmm. how people will do. What do you look for in a candidate, junior level candidate with a non-traditional background? Absolutely. Yeah. How, how do I, how do we evaluate um, a designer, right? So, it, it's actually multiple things, and um, we're actually like establishing uh, a rubric of how we want to do that. And it's it's not complete yet, but part of it is making sure that um, there's a level of skill, and skill is reflected in work you've done in your portfolio, um, but also like, are you able to do all the different disciplines? At least in our company, um, we don't separate, hey, you're a UX designer versus a UI designer. Um, we have product designers, and then we have communication slash graphic designers. So if you're working as a product designer, like we want you to be T-shaped. And so like you need to have some breadth. But like I think we all usually are stronger in one aspect, and that that's perfectly fine. And I think that's that's desirable, because then we can help each other grow in the areas that we need to improve. So there's the skills, there's um, the actual work in your portfolio, like your past work. And so whether it's just like um, freelance projects or things that you've done just on your own, you know, like that's your work, be proud of it, showcase it. And absolutely, please write a case study. Like I have not taken candidates seriously or their portfolio seriously because they just put mockups. And I'm like, how do I know like how you went about this? Or did you just copy someone? Like, I don't know. Like you have to have a case study. That's such a a deal breaker for me. Um, And um, so there's the actual work, there's actual experience. So um, again, I think that um, obviously if you come from a non-traditional background, like you may not have the same type of experience, but can you in some ways like be able to say, Hey, you know what? Like I worked, I don't know, like as an insurance agent, right? Like it could be anything, right? Like I worked in fast food, I worked in retail, like that that's totally fine. There's no industry, there's no background that disqualify you, right? So how can you kind of like leverage that? Um, so experience, actual work. So then we have a technical interview. Uh, we also have a role fit. So we know that across all of our different product design roles, um, they'll be working on a specific product or team and certain, um, you know, uh, roles maybe require more visual or maybe some require more of like research or user testing. And so knowing that there are certain like nuances to that role, like can they fit and live up to what the expectation of that job is? Um, and then there's team fit, of course. So a lot of, a lot of personality and like just being able to, to like vibe with them, like when we talk, um, and the technical interview in itself, we do a whiteboard challenge. Um, we've offered a take home before 
Uh, I've done take homes myself and I totally prefer the whiteboard challenge as one that's facilitating and doing just because um, I believe this is my, my own take, right? But like my portfolio should showcase what I'm capable of, right? You just need to understand exactly how I approached it um, live. Yeah. And you can read my case study for that, but it's not live. And so that's where the whiteboard challenge, um, I believe, is effective. And you're not you're not caring that like, oh, that button's too big or that input field is on the wrong side. Like that stuff, you know, is not the point of the whiteboard challenge. One thing that I wanted to follow up on, you mentioned the kind of T-shaped person, the ability to grow go broad, but have sure. kind of like one particular area or discipline that, that you go deep in and, and, and uh, yeah. really have like a comfort and, and competency with. You mentioned as a part of the hiring process, you're thinking about that kind of like that long line of the T where you go deep mm -hmm. as like a place to fit designers, like give it the business yep. needs. And you also mentioned team fit, um, but it, it it sounded to me like that team fit was more about the kind of like behavioral communication side of things. How much of team fit, if at all, is kind of like taken into consideration with kind of like complementary skill sets, right? So, so obviously, you know, going into one specific business unit for that need, you need a lot of research. But how important is like research experience uh, when it comes to kind of like, hey, we want to round out our team of designers as well? Um, how proactive are you in kind of like balancing the team in terms of like comparative strengths and weaknesses? Sure. Um, yeah, so I think there's some overlap there between role fit and team fit. Role fit, I was mentioning like about the day-to-day -day job. Team fit is now saying like, hey, you know what? We have a lot of strong visual people, but maybe we need more research people, as you just mentioned. And I think that's totally legitimate because um, as designers, we want to learn, we want to grow. And if we can't necessarily like start like a research initiative in our department, in our team, um, on our own because just we don't have the bandwidth to, we don't have the experience to, like absolutely, then, then you then you hire for that opportunity. And like, I hope every team, not even just in design, right, is where team members are helping one another um, improve in the areas that, where they need to, right? And so um, do we hire that way specifically? Um, I would say Yes, but I, I don't think it's weighted that heavily, but it, it is taken consideration. Like, wow, this person has something that we've been looking for in this way. Um, yeah, and it really kind of varies by by maybe like the, the season of, of what that team needs at that time. And um, yeah, I think that it is, it all comes down to value, right? Like we're all trying to make sure that our users that we design for receive value, our teams that we work for receive value. And so is there value there? um then then absolutely yeah i think so cool um so yeah we just have a few minutes left and i think um we mentioned earlier that we run a network for junior and mid-level designers mm -hmm. called the coming network we told them that we were talking to you gave them a little bit of your info they're super yep. excited to ask questions one of the questions that was asked was that um, in looking at just kind of like a UX job listing on LifeRay state, states that expertise in coding languages such as HTML and CSS are a plus. Um, what are your thoughts mm -hmm. around designers learning to to code? I know that when we both like got into 
design like it's like you know you try to learn a little bit of everything at once right and it's like sure html css how is that yeah what are your thoughts kind of about yeah it? Uh, i have i i have a strong opinion about it i think that designers um will benefit from learning how to code i do not think that is an absolute requirement as our listing shows that it's a plus um if a, a company does have it as a requirement, I think it's understandable. You know, I think it's understandable because then it it improves the designer's ability to translate their design into something where a developer can actually implement it um, through a common understanding and and like talking through it, right? And saying like, oh, I, I thought this was an article, and like I would use CSS grid here and three columns here, and so like you can kind of speak the lingo. But um, I don't think you actually need to have this whole coding portfolio though, right? Like, I think you need to first take a step back and say like, should designers learn to code? And then it should be, well, if you think you should, why do you think you should, right? And is it that you need to actually learn how to code something complete from end to end, or you just need to understand how code works? There's a big difference there, right? And I would say that for myself, like I haven't built that many things uh, in code, but I understand, uh, I think, a a fair amount of front end work because um, I'm interested in it for one, but like it definitely helps me be able to talk to my engineers because we run into these things where maybe they're not informed on how to approach it um, because, you know, like translating a design then, you know, requires some type of uh, explanation as far as like maybe like responsiveness or certain interactions or um, just like, why does it go there? And like, what can they expect of like, if the data does change, like um, how to anticipate all these types of things. And so, um, I, if, and I would say this, right? Like learning how to code is like, what, at least in our company, we have this like engineering skill um, as a designer. And we have like other, other skills that are in product design, like visual strategy, um, interaction, right? And I think, like engineering is just one arm to it. And so um, if, let's just say um, you are not that comfortable of actually like learning actual code, but like you're using principle, right? You're using some kind of like animation tool, using After Effects, uh, you're using Figma to do animation and interaction design, like, dude, kill it, you know? And like show how you can uh, specialize to be an expert in, in a different way. Um, and you know, it's not so much like you have to be a unicorn for sure. Like that's not what companies like really need, right? They, they need people that are just good at their craft and like, you'll find the right fit in that way. Um, and so whatever it may be, whether, yeah, if it, if it is engineering and coding, or if it is just like UX strategy and just like, I'm really just like awesome about like doing research and user testing, like like go for that. Like we only have so much time and resources to allocate. Right. And this is not the only place to, to place it. Right. But it's a, it's, it's a valuable one. I appreciate it. I like it. I like to like see the benefits of talking to my engineers. Um, and you know, there's things that I pitch and like today I pitched, um, if we can consider container queries and uh, they're like, Oh yeah, we'll look into it and stuff. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. I, I, I like read up on that and I kind of knew about it, but I don't think that, um, if I didn't know that 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 part of you know like 
that, that coding technique or whatever, um, that the solution I designed would not work, right? That there's other ways to, around it to implement it. Yeah. And I think our, uh, our last question, and you kind of hinted at it a little bit um, from our network is someone asked, sometimes in this industry, I feel that those there is pressure to constantly be learning new design tools and frameworks in order to stay competitive, especially since we only have so much time. Right? Do you feel that pressure too? And if so, how do you balance that pressure with other passions and interests outside design? Uh, yeah, the, the balance part is so important. So let's start there. Let's not forget that um, as much as you feel that pressure, like you're like we all are going to be burnt out at a certain level. And so unless we um, are disciplined about balance or at least can communicate to either our team or managers about how to maintain that balance, like, like you're not going to get far as you want to be, right? As far as like actually learning the design tools and frameworks and staying competitive, like um, I would say I hope that it is interesting to you and that you are wowed by it. I, I do read about a lot of things online about how, like, over time when, you know, you get older, you're not as hungry and you get comfortable, whether it's in design or in development or, or in business, whatever it may be. Um, but, like, I don't know. Like, I think no matter what your your your, your work is, and I think especially in design and in tech and everything, like, man, like, like it's really, we scratched the tip of the iceberg, right? And so um, understand that there there is just going to be so much out there and also understand you're not going to learn it all. And so enjoy the journey of, of trying to learn by it. And don't think that just because a job listing, you know, like says that like, it'd be good if you knew Framer that now you have to like dedicate your nights and weekends to just learning a tool, right? Because um, what's the purpose of, of learning that tool? Yeah, I'd like to use it, but I think you need to, before you start learning things, I think you need to understand like, why do I need to learn something or pick up something new um, and evaluate it before you you invest, right? Because I think that you don't want to be tossed to and fro because man, like the design world changes so quickly, the tech world changes so quickly. Right. You have to know that at the end of the day, design is about problem solving. It's about solving the problems as specifically and as effectively as possible. And if these tools or frameworks enable that to make that much of a difference, then okay, maybe look into it. But if it's just like sexy marketing, like we all fall for it, but like, come on, like, you know, watch out for yourself to 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 really like be going down this rabbit hole, you know? And so, um, yeah, I think that you really need to evaluate how this is going to contribute to your, your actual growth. And, um, yeah, at the end of the day, like you're going to be, you're going to be proving to companies that you're valuable based upon your past work, not based upon your knowledge about whatever tool or framework, right? Like those things are additional things, but it's really yeah. about like what you've done. This was, this was awesome, John. Uh, thank you so much for, for taking the time out of your, out of your evening. Mm -hmm. Am I able to do like a shameless plug or just do hell? Yeah. No, go that's right ahead. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, 
our team, you know, we're constantly trying to uh, help out the design community. And so our website is liferay.design. Um, yeah, we, we have our like team bios and stuff on there, but like we have a lot of open source resources. Our company actually is an open source software company. And so we believe in open source and yeah, I think design in open source is still, I don't know, like either a new thing or not a thing, you know, I, I just don't really hear about it too much, but like uh, we, we firmly believe in it. And so, um, yeah, you can go to our site there and one of our team members names Abel. Um, he contributes a lot to the Figma community uh, with a lot of different templates that um, really get you up and running. And so we'll have those on our site as well. Um, yeah, but we really want to help out other designers. And, uh, you know, we when COVID was not a thing, you know, we hosted events and we'd post them on there and stuff. And so job openings as well. Um, if you want to go there and take a look, um, we are trying to grow our team. John, it was a pleasure. Thanks so much for taking the time uh, to chat with us tonight. I know it's, uh, it's, uh, it's late yeah, for man. you, but really do appreciate the time. If you like that conversation, go ahead and subscribe so you can be notified of our future discussions. Special thanks to members of the Kemming Network for giving us incredibly thoughtful questions to ask our guests. If you found this discussion compelling and you think you or someone you know could be a good candidate for us to interview and help us bring some light to the mysterious and often opaque world of careers in design, shoot us an email at podcast at kemming.io. That's podcast at kemming, K-E-M-I-N-G dot I-O. You can find us and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter or sign up for our community at kemming.io slash network.